A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have it to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Sort of, you know, I think a couple of pay in half, and I was, um, you know, delivering orange juice and three o'clock in the morning, working in pubs till, you know, two o'clock in the morning, and to get to training by sort of in the afternoon. I used to drive a whole crew of players from St George down to Wollongong train. I'd get home at ten at night, and yeah, with two little kids, so it wasn't it wasn't a great lifestyle. Um, I remember falling asleep in the van one night when I was driving it, uh, coming home from Cogra. And I just sort of went boom, boom, and hit the clips. And I went, oh, boom. And uh, I'd had the offer from uh, Melbourne to go there as recruitment through 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 Chris Johns. As I said, we were, we were good mates growing up together. And, and uh, yeah, when I hit those little little bumps on the side of the road, I said, it's time. Is that the story? Far out. Yeah, it was. And there was, I think, uh, we got Kenny Ross and Scotty Geddes and the whole crew of those kids that were playing flag in my team. But that's the Amos Roberts that... Turned around, I said, you know, uh, no, that was that was too big a too big an ask. So, so I took the job in Melbourne the next day, and yeah, basically went from there. So, found my little niche that I, you know I loved, and you know I needed to finish coaching. I probably when I finished coaching, I probably realised how much I needed to get away from it. And as I said, I just found my little niche that uh, so good's worked. Mate, you certainly found your little niche. I mean, I'm looking at some of the names in Melbourne. You, you discovered Greg Inglis, Israel Folau, Billy Slater. Tell me about GI first, mate. Um, yeah, yeah, Greg was uh, Greg was someone who, sort of at 15, didn't really come under the radar of too many people. So these days, you know, the Bronx were really hard to beat. Para was hard to beat. And trying to get somebody to go to Melbourne in those days was nigh on impossible. It was really tough work, you know. So uh, Mark Murray was in charge at that stage um, and you know Melbourne you know you probably wouldn't remember but even back in those days you know the media were crying for Melbourne to be kicked out of the comp and yep. things were on the slide pretty quick after 99 so it was it was tough going you know so so we basically just I just sort of decided we had to work harder quicker and younger and to get some elite kids and you know I just went to a pretty obscure game at, at Port Macquarie and and Greg was there and I sat behind the post and, you know, when he started sort of drifting around the field, he was, you know, peachy-like, I guess, at that stage. You know, we probably didn't end up like that, but he certainly was at that age and obviously played a lot of touch footy and, and he tipped over the top and I, I was sitting right behind the post and he went up to catch the ball and as he put his hand up, he had to pull it under to miss the crossbar and 
caught him, put none on post, that'll do me. And um, flew up the next week, signed him with his uh, with his dad and his grandmother and mum, and and yeah, it was it was a funny funny meeting. You know, I was sort of sitting there giving the spiel about how we make you a better person and. And I just looked over about halfway through and I said, these buggers aren't listening at all, you know. So I made a bag of kit, bag of kit for him, put the kid over. I said, what do you think? He said, I'll sign. <laughs> so that was it. So he signed that day and um, no manager chased him at that stage through the rep carnivals. So, you know, he sort of went up under the radar. And then I think, I think Alan Ganey signed him the next year at 16. I think he had a tie-up with Preston and, and signed him then. And then he started to... He just started to show what he could, what he was capable of, and you know. So then everybody was was on the bandwagon. So, but yeah, he's a special player, special talent. You know, definitely the best athlete I've ever come across in in my in, in terms of what who I've brought to the footy clubs. You know, mate. Obviously, when he debuted, you know, everyone knew he was going to be a superstar. Then, when was the moment that you thought, "Fuck, like I've nailed this"? Um, probably. Yeah, at 16, he was starting to do some pretty special things, but he was pretty blasé with everything. He was he was living in a Kirinara at uh, Newcastle, going to uh, Hunter Sports. Uh, we got him out of there and sent him up with a good good family up at uh, Brizzy and put him in that system. Then we went to Wavell. You know, I was always, I was very confident, but when he hit the ground at Wavell and got some better support around him and um, some coaching and some, you know, you know probably a different level of footy than what he's been playing. And, you know, it was pretty, pretty evident that year. I remember a, a game in the Queensland trials. He bounced park at Rocky. He picked up the ball. And I think one of the other scouts said to me, do you think he's going to be big enough? You know, and I, so, <laughs> because he was a skinny kid and he picked up the ball in the bottom, uh, like right, his right hand corner went all the way across to the left and you know, doing that all the way. And, down the sideline and back of the post to the under end. I remember turning. I think you'd be okay, you know. So, so that year really, he, you know, he blossomed. And then the year after, you know, he's playing Q Cup against men, you know. And and I remember he played. Um, I think he, I can't remember whether it was eight games that year or nine games of, of Q Cup. And you know, they rang up and said he's got to come up for the awards. We said we're not flying him up for the awards. Like he played eight or nine games. He said no, no, he's got to come and. So I think he, if he played nine games, he had 27 points. You know, so, so it was yeah that year against Man, he was he was phenomenal. Yeah. Mate, I was talking to a mate yesterday. He's a South Sydney Rabbitohs fan. I said I was talking to you, and he said to say thank you because he said he's the guy that discovered Inglis and he arrived at South Sydney. He ended our drought. His career was just incredible, wasn't it? Yeah, amazing player. You know, great a great guy. You know, he obviously, you know, he had different stages. You know, where he, you know terms of you know going through some personal things but as a young fellow you're, you're training you know it wasn't natural to him you know uh, I remember he, we took him down to Melbourne for training camps and Craig flogged him you know he found out about him pretty quick you know and he pulled out of a pulled out of the you know his first session with a crook back you know the kid was six foot four and probably you know 65 kilos you know at that stage and you know doing first grade training you know so and he pulled out and, you know, when Craig walked past, you know, that'd be any good to me, Peter. I said, you just stick to coaching. I'll worry about this, this side of the so, so, yeah. So it was the way, you know, things didn't all fall into place as well. So he had to work hard to get there. As I said, that year at Brisbane North and, and Wavell was, uh, yeah, a real turning point for him and his life. And 
I said he went on to win lots of comps and do everything in the game. You know, so very proud of him. Mate, obviously 2007 was a massive year for GI, obviously, but another guy comes along that year, Israel Folau, who you had a big hand in. Tell me about yep. how you found him. Um, yeah, it was pretty pretty similar, I guess. We were at Toowoomba at the uh, uh, Queensland Championships, State Championships, and um, that was, I remember I met Isaac Moses for the first day that year. I mean, he was walking around and manager of those carnivals pretty much stand out like sore thumbs, you know, so we've got the pants on and nice shirt and shoes and the Toowoomba, it's, uh, you know, they stand out and I just sort of walked up and I said, oh, you're a new manager felt, mate. And he said, yeah, yeah, and I was, met him and I said, oh, look, I'd, um, you need a hand or, you know, what I want, what I'm looking for and, you know, you need a hand with, you know, what I think works in footy players, you know, give us a yell and we'll, you know, have a chat. And he seemed a really nice young man, as he was. And, um, and I said, we're watching Med East game. And I said, have you got anyone at the carnival? And he said, oh, I've got this big on the wing. I went, ooh. I said, so my mind started thinking, I mean, ow, oh, this bloke does know what he's doing here. So, so yeah, n- nobody had put their hand up at, at that stage. And the Bronx went that keen. So I said, well, maybe we could do a deal here, mate. So, so we signed him that day for, you know, probably the same as what we signed Greg, 500 bucks and, you know, a four-year four, four year deal. And, you know, and he just went from, he scored four tries in that game, by the way. And um, just, uh, he went strength for strength, you know. And I said Greg was the best player I'd ever sort of recruited. I've got no doubt that he was the most ready play, like the most professional, you know, that you, know, you just put him in first grade and you knew he was just going to handle it, you know, so. We played him in a first grade trial when he was 16 against Parrot Griffith, like Matt Peterson's ribs, you know, in a tackle, you know. So, yeah, he, you know, by the way, he wouldn't be allowed to play nowadays, you know. So, so yeah, it was he was phenomenal. You know, he started the year in 07, leading try scorer, won a comp, played for Australia. So, yeah, not a bad first year of first grade. Mate, the last of the Melbourne Storm boys I want to ask you about is Billy Slater. I didn't find Bill as per se. So, Bill walked in the door. Uh, asking for a job. His his uncle worked at North Leagues. Um, so, yeah, he just walked in off the street. He was at the storm before I got there. Uh, I was lucky enough to do his first contract. So I just sort of started. And, and um, he's, you know, he ran out of puff really early, Bill. He had lots of, a uh, fair, fair few errors around him early, early doors. But, yeah, you know, I've never seen anyone work as hard as he worked to come back. And, you know, he had some stages where he was, Sort of going, you know, going great and drop off a little bit. And then he just came back and he was just, you know, what off season it was, but he just came back at a whole new level of player and worked so hard. And he, you know, I mean, there was probably a couple of fullback, fullbacks before him that sort of started to change the fullback role. You know, Brett Hodgson was one certainly that, uh, that comes to mind. And, you know, Bill came along and took it to a whole new level, you know, for, without doubt one of the best players I've ever, I've ever come across, incredible player. Mate, tell me about your interactions with Craig Bellamy. Like, I've read a few articles and seen a few interviews with you and you talk about how important the relationship is between the recruitment manager and the coach. Tell me about that relationship. Yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, again, early days, you know, there was just sort of belly aching one assistant. So now they've got to cast of thousands of those fellas to help them. So their time's probably a little bit more available, you know. So there's, you know, there's a big trust involved, you know, so... 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I think from a recruiter, you need to know what works for your first grade coach. Obviously, good players are good players. They're going to work for any coach. But, you know, what, you know, what made Craig tick and a lot of what made Craig tick was people who were like himself as a player, you know, hardworking, tough durable you know um so there was he wanted a level of that player in his footy team and then obviously i, I like the athletic type so so you know but there's, there's a level of trust certainly there and you know he's got to know without worrying too much about it that he's going to have good players coming through so he's got to trust me and and obviously it doesn't matter what i do as a recruiter if they're not being well coached you know so so Craig's, you know, Craig's the greatest coach in, in the game that I've certainly had to work with, you know. When I've worked with some damn good ones and they're all been very good, but, you know, he's just a phenomenal coach with a phenomenal work ethic and we had a, we had a great relationship. So, you know, we we're very forthright and honest with each other. We would certainly had some good Barneys and, you know, and he'd tell me how it was and tell it back and then we'd sort of walk out and get on with it, so... Mate, tell me, how did the uh, salary cap scandal affect your career? Um, not, not a great deal, to be honest. Um, you know, it was. I'm not going to go into too much detail, but you know, the the O seven part was quite minuscule in in my reckoning. Um, there was some stuff that went back that went back to early 2000s, which I had nothing to do with, or anybody in that area had nothing to do with. And then there was sort of a, I suppose, a miscommunication between the NRL and and uh, our CEO at the time that sort of, you know, escalated things a little bit. But yeah, it was it was it was small. I I stopped working halfway through two thousand seven. Uh, they put Mel put a bit of pressure on me to re-sign, and I was going to the Roosters. Um, uh, my kids are in Sydney, so I was missing out on a fair bit of their life. So 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 from halfway through seven, I didn't had very little control over things, and I just stayed. In, give Billy Ake a bit of a hand and, you know, I was pretty confident we were going to win the comp that year. So I certainly wanted to be a part of that before I left. And, you know, so obviously there was no change. And then I remember when it hit probably 2010 when the actual thing hit. So, uh, you know, the Roosters were great through that time for me. You know, I guess it's the perception of people that, you know, sort of is the, you know, the downside of it. You know, sort of, you know, kids go through a bit of, a bit of hurry curry, you know, like you know, you're sort of on the front page of a paper as a as a rat that doesn't really go down too well. And you know, you know, I remember my daughter getting asked um, if you know I got, that I thought I was a drug dealer and you know, just ridiculous things like that. So, but yeah, it was it was a tough period, but you know, it blew over reasonably quickly. And, and you know, and I think well, I don't think the real story's ever come through 100%. So maybe it will one day. But yeah. It, it certainly wasn't wasn't pleasant, but you know, very grateful for the Roosters through that period. That you know, Nick had my back, and uh, it was yeah. Again, through those periods, you learn uh, who your mates are and and who you, who aren't. So that was uh, yeah, it was, was eye opening as well. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 